This is your host, Caitlin Cook, and welcome back to another episode of the Dead Kate Bounce Experience. This week's guest is Cruz Enoch. Cruz is the ecosystem growth lead at Index Cooperative, where he's responsible for marketing communications and off-chain partnerships for their portfolio of on-chain structured products. Index Cooperative democratizes access to complex crypto strategies, making it simple to create a custom index of tokens using smart contracts. Think of these as, say, the next generation ETFs. Index Cooperative is an early mover on what I believe will become a high demand area of the crypto space as mainstream adoption rises. One token to gain diversified exposure, on-chain, making responsible crypto investment easier than ever. But we're not there yet. Crypto index products are in the early stages of adoption. We discuss hesitancies many newcomers have when getting started, associated risks, whether crypto indexes truly provide diversification within a historically highly correlated industry, who index cooperative has been receiving the most interest from, what a good crypto project consists of, how recent market events have impacted on-chain index product adoption, and much more. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Cruz. All opinions expressed by your hosts and the podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of the hosts or any of their affiliates. This podcast is for commercial and informational purposes only, is not investment advice, and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. We are not recommending any securities or cryptocurrencies, nor is this an offer or sale of a security or cryptocurrency. All right. Cruz, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's been too long. Thanks, Kayla. Yeah, really appreciate you having me on. Excited to have you here. So um, lots of things I want to get into, but got to start with the obvious. What is Index Cooperative? And obviously, you know, give a little bit of background on yourself and your role within that. Yeah, Index Cooperative is the leading provider of on-chain structured products. Uh, So we create a variety of products uh, on Ethereum. So we've got sector indices, kind of uh, like a passive exposure to the top themes in crypto. We've got a DeFi index, for example, of that. We've got leveraged products, uh, which kind of automate a 2x exposure to Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, And we also have yield-bearing products recently as well. So our goal is to make exposure to crypto simple, safe, and secure for everyone. Uh, My role within that, I'm kind of the product marketing uh, growth communications and off-chain partnerships. I've created a title ecosystem growth lead for myself. Um, so that's uh, that's where I fit into things, uh, kind of being a, a public-facing um, promoter of the index cooperative and our products. Uh, I, my background, uh, my dad's a financial advisor. So how I really got into all of this stuff is kind of speaking to the value proposition to, uh, um, you know, adding a traditional wrapper onto uh, crypto products to, to uh, an audience that's uh, used to investing in, in, in things like that. Which is perfect because that is exactly who this podcast is for. And crypto is so fun because you can literally just make up your own titles and the space is fluid like that, which makes it a lot of fun. Um, I I think one thing to sort of get into at the beginning here in terms of like structure, right? So you talk about financial advisors. I used to work with financial advisors. That's how we met. Um, And 
one of the big conversations around crypto is at least, you know, in the States, and I'm sure this conversation happens elsewhere as well, is around crypto ETFs, making a space like crypto more simple to invest in and not worrying about self-custody, having wrappers that are a little bit more friendly to what advisors are familiar with and what their clients know as well. And, you know, you could see this a couple of different ways. I call it putting training wheels on a Ferrari because you're sort of going backwards in terms of the tech advances you see with blockchain. Index Cooperative is taking a much more, you know, forward, modern approach to this uh, in something that does still make sense structure-wise to advisors, but rather than be in a fund um, like we see traditionally, it's more on the token side. Is that right? Can you walk me through a little bit of how all of these products are structured? Yeah, absolutely. So our products are on-chain. They're all self-custody. And the way that they work um, we're, we're built on a, a tech stack called Set Protocol um, that allows you to create an index token that is redeemable for a basket of tokens. Kind of that's how the product works uh, at its core. So, um, financial advisors, if you want access to our index products, you have to be on chain on Ethereum. So, you can buy all of our products uh, on decentralized exchanges like Uniswap or any sort of DEX aggregator. And the, the way the, fun, uh, the the products track the, the value of the underlying assets, they're actually permissionlessly uh, redeemable or issuable for the underlying assets. So if you want to buy our DeFi Pulse Index, our smart contracts will actually go out and buy all of the underlying components. DPI is a market cap weighted index of DeFi protocols. So the top names that you're probably uh, thinking of, Uniswap, Aave, Compound, are the underlying components of the products. So when you want to buy DPI, the contract will go out and buy Uniswap, Aave, Compound, um, provide those underlying assets to the smart contract and mint that DPI index token, which is a wrapper um, on top of um, those products. All right. So not having to worry about going out and buying the underlying, buying a basket of assets um, of tokens, right? So something that is familiar to people. And I really appreciate the approach on that. And obviously everything's on-chain, liquid 24-7. Um, the the question I have around trying to, you know, your conversations that you've had with people that are from more traditional backgrounds in finance, conversations around the self-custody aspect of it. That's one of the most common conversations with advisors, with different institutions that are looking to get exposure. How do you navigate conversations with people that are a little bit more hesitant about the self-custody aspect of all of this, even if the product does provide uh, a simplified solution for getting broad exposure? Yeah. So, you know, our products are ERC-20 tokens that you self-custody on-chain but the good news is those tokens can be brought into um, centralized platforms that create you know, additional wrapper. If you want to use a custodian, you can hold our assets on, on a custodian like a BitGo or a Coinbase custody, a Gemini, um, et cetera. So you know, th- that's step one. The, the self-custody aspect is a use it if you need it. You don't have to use it all of the time. You know, the, that's the, the power of crypto is that you can self-custody things. But if you want to use Coinbase, if you want to use Gemini, if you want to use a custodian, you absolutely can. Um, and we work with intermediary platforms uh, that work with those custodians and allow people to access the best of both worlds. So something like uh, an Eaglebrook Advisors, right? They're, they're one of the leaders in, in this industry in terms of creating separately managed accounts. 
um, that actually do hold crypto assets um, for for customers. Um, but you, you can sign up with EgoBook and create an account and you can hold the, the DPI index within one of their separately managed accounts, um, for example. But you know, we're really focused on building products on chain. And when people are ready to come and access them, they can do so. Um, but we, you know, we don't necessarily take folks all the way down the rabbit hole, just in my role at index coop in, in terms of, um, you know, teaching them what Ethereum is, what self custody is, what is a wallet. But we rely on, on folks like you and link out to educational resources, um, to, to do so. Love it. I mean, the education part is key for sure. And I think there is a lot of education around the different customers custodians, the different types of ways that you can access it, like you mentioned. And that's something that's always changing um, in terms of, you know, who's offering what and where and where you can buy the, uh, buy these different things. So I do have to ask, Index Cooperative has around 500 million TVL or AUM, like a lot of people call it. That, that's our high point that, that we reached 500 million. And since it's it's gone down a good bit in terms of dollar value, but uh, that's mostly just the the market going down. You know, the, the metric we really like to track is net dollar flows in terms of, you know, how many dollars are flowing into our products and out of our products. And yeah, we're, we're a little over 500 million in that one, but uh, markets can, can take that uh, TVL number up or down. Absolutely. Yeah, we've seen TVL for most things go down for a while now. So not not surprised there. Uh, but why, in your opinion, are indexes not more popular in crypto in terms of adoption? You think it would make sense in terms of being able to access a variety of different protocols and projects that have tokens through purchasing one rather than going out and buying the underlying individually? What has been the feedback or at least you know your interpretation of why it hasn't become more popular yet? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, index products or ETFs in the traditional finance market uh, make up a you know a very large share of just overall assets. It's a multi-trillion dollar market. But in crypto, like you said, five hundred million is kind of the, the high point of what index group has reached. Uh, and we are 85, 95% of that on-chain index market. Um, but you're right. We're, we're the leaders in a, in a market that barely exists in terms of uh, you know the scale that it's in in traditional finance. I think the reason for that is there's really just a huge mismatch between the early adopter crowd that is on chain and using these DeFi protocols now versus the the type of persona that wants to have a, a passive exposure uh, index product. So, you know, we expect as crypto becomes more mainstream that more and more people will turn to structured products, to index products, uh, to get passive exposure to themes. But right now, People, one, are, you know, they're that early adopter crowd that wants to have their finger on the pulse of the next big thing and and catch all of these waves. And and that kind of person really is is wants to have active management um, over their portfolio, especially with, you know, like I mentioned earlier, with with self-custody and, and the power that self-custody enables. You really want to be in control of your own destiny. If you're custodying your assets, you may want to be selecting um, you know, your your um, allocations as well. But we, you know, we think our our products are great for the, that next billion users that are going to come into DeFi. They're going to see the value being created in DeFi. They're going to want exposure to it, but they're not going to want to spend all day in Twitter and Discord and, and going through forums and, and, and all of those kind of things. Um, so, you know, we, we think the ease of use that an index um, provides is, has been proven in traditional finance. And, and we're just trying to bring, bring that same kind of structure um, into crypto. And we think we have some significant advantages over um, kind of uh, those traditional ETFs and traditional finance market in, in terms of there, our products can be self-custody um, and our products are um, integratable within DeFi, 
right? The, the composability is like the most powerful aspect of DeFi. So you can use our index products as collateral. You can loan them out. You can earn yield on those indexes, things that you could never do with ETFs in the traditional financial market. That blows people's minds for sure, right? Like I hadn't even thought of that until you mentioned it. There's much more or many different ways in which these could be applied to various asset or aspects of the ecosystem, which is really, really cool. And to your point, I mean, everyone always says we're so early and I know that's like become a meme, but realistically in terms of taking yourself out of the bubble, right? Like I work for a DeFi protocol, but taking yourself out of that environment where everyone that you see lives and breathes crypto all day, you look at the traditional side and adoption is just getting started and the products and the bridges being built to onboard those parties more quickly is, you know, still very early. And what index cooperative is bringing to market is something that would be attractive to that group. I'd have to assume just because, especially even in the U S and I can't speak as much internationally, but what are you, what are we seeing? Um, if you have any thoughts on this in terms of, more traditional wrapper products like an ETF for the crypto space. Are we seeing much innovation there or are we still stopping at a Bitcoin ETF, which is literally just buying at spot and not a diversified basket, just one token? And we can't even get that, right? The Bitcoin spot ETF uh, yeah. in the US. It's available well, internationally. Today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are seeing, you know, a, a decent number of crypto ETFs being launched. Of course, right? Yeah, they, they make headlines. They make it across you and I's feeds um, all the time. But I would say we're not seeing much innovation at all in those in terms of, um, you know, people want to be entirely passive with, with crypto being kind of a, a hot button thing thing to touch. They don't want regulators to, to come after them. Um, so you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of crypto indexes. First of all, most of them just have traditional equities that are like adjacent to crypto in them, right? You, you know, metaverse ETF that really just holds Facebook and Zoom. So, you know, that's one big bucket of of the crypto indexes that you see. Um, and then another, you know, you see stuff that just blindly takes all crypto assets and you may have a broad market crypto index, but it's got, you know, five to 10% of Doge and Shiba and these, these dog coins that, you know, if you're really in the, in the weeds of crypto, you're, you're probably not all that excited about in terms of them being fundamentally strong assets. Um, some of them will even have allocations to stable coins, you know, USDC in, a, in an index, you're getting broad exposure. So you get exposure to the USDC coin. Like that's, that's not very interesting. Um, but, you know, you're, you're seeing some, I think, like Bitwise is a pretty decent example of, of someone that actually applies some intelligent indexing to to some of their products to, to when they can, when they feel like they're not in their regulatory um, crosshairs too much. But, um, yeah, you know, like I said, we're, we're the leader in, in on-chain indexes, but it's a, it's a very small market um, so far. For now, right? Um, so in terms of the interest that you've seen, who who are you seeing the interest from? Is it on the retail side or is it more institutional? Because like you like you were saying, this is something that would appeal to more of um, you know a traditional asset manager versus say the more degenerate types that we saw get into crypto early. Yeah, you know we we certainly see saw um, a lot of retail interest earlier on um, in themes like the DeFi Pulse Index or the Metaverse Index was certainly hot for a little while. Uh, around the time that that Facebook changed their name to Meta, of course, we saw retail interest explode, clicks on our Metaverse index, inflows into the Metaverse index, um, et cetera. Um, and then more so, you're, you're seeing more kind of a, a sophisticated on-chain investor, like a Dow Treasury, 
Um, especially when we started to build yield-bearing products, uh, we released an interest-compounding ETH index uh, last April or so uh, that helps you get um, yield on your ETH. And you know, a lot of Dow Treasuries hold a lot of ETH because you know they're they're a crypto-native organization. They they can't take their assets off-chain. So for some of those yield-bearing products, we're starting to see some Dow Treasuries come into the product. Um, some NFT projects, even I think the the Buzz Bears bought a, a fair amount of our IC ETH token in their treasury. Um, and then we're also seeing some crypto-native hedge funds. Um, will allocate into some of our products, but definitely it's it's folks that um, primarily keep their their assets on-chain. Um, and are not having uh, hybrid portfolios that include kind of TradFi products in, in addition to, to on-chain stuff. But you know, we've we've got some stablecoin products um, in the works that we think will will expand into um, you know folks that they know they want to earn some yield in crypto and and you know some some of the the CFI options that they had last year no longer exist right in terms of uh, Genesis going bust. Celsius, uh, et cetera. So we definitely are, are broadening out our product suite and we expect to see the, the personas interested uh, in our products to, to broaden as well. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into the products um, that you guys do offer now a little bit more later on here. But first, I bet a lot of people are probably wondering, the word trust comes up all the time, whether it's traditional finance or crypto, right? Um, things that are designed to be permission, permissionless rather than, you know, completely trust-based systems. But when it comes to index cooperatives products, who are the people, um, who are like the people that are purchasing, um, or investing in these products trusting? I know there's like smart contract risk, which we could talk about as well, but where does the money go? Who has access to the assets in the index and how do changes get made within that? Like who makes the decision on that? Or is it, you know, algorithmic maybe? based or calculated that way? Yeah, great question. So when you buy an index group product, you're trusting code, not people. That's the the headline here, right? Um, and the way that works more mechanically, each one of our products um, is a smart contract. So, you know, the, the contract address for the DeFi Pulse Index, uh, if you go look at it on chain, you'll see all of the underlying assets within the index, like I mentioned, the, the Uniswap, the Aave, will sit in the smart contract of that token uh, contract address. And you're trusting that um, when you buy the product, you will be able to redeem it for the underlying assets. So the way that our index products keep the spot price in line with net asset value is by uh, this permissionless uh, issue and, and redemption mechanism that allows any arbitrage bots to always buy the index token, redeem it for the underlying components and sell it on spot if there's a, a premium or, or in reverse if, if there's a discount. So if you look at the kind of the, the trading flow of our products, uh, you'll see arbitrage bots firing every day uh, to, to make sure that the product stays in line with net asset value. And as far as who decides the actual allocations for the products, um, we have a third party methodologist uh, for each of the products on the, our um, sector indices. So for the DeFi Pulse Index, DeFi Pulse is the methodologist, um, and they have a rules-based um, methodology that kind of specifies, okay, if you're going to get added to this index, you need to have this amount of minimum liquidity. You need to be on-chain for X number of months. You need to have X number of smart contract audits published. Your code needs to be open source. So you're really trusting the that methodology that was created um, when the product was launched. 
and the um, the methodologist will apply those smart criteria to the you know the the tokens available on the market and to determine um, which which tokens are included. And then for for those rebalances, um, we're going to run those tokens through the criteria to make sure you know if someone drops out of the criteria, they're going to be removed from the index. If a new uh, DeFi protocol comes on the rise, they're going to get included. And then a big component of that is also just the on-chain liquidity. So um, we make sure that tokens that are included in the index have enough liquidity so that when we rebalance, you're not losing out to, to slippage, right? So it, it's not purely just market cap. It's really like a market cap plus liquidity score that the methodologist um, applies to the product. Got it. And kind of walking through what someone who's sitting in a portfolio manager type of seat might be thinking about when you're looking into crypto indexes in general. Do they really provide diversification? I understand not wanting to be too concentrated on any one project and, you know, the risk involved in that. Um, how diversified are these different products realistically? I feel like within crypto markets, it seems at least at a high level that crypto assets are all pretty correlated. Um, can you can you walk me through that a little bit for those who are thinking through that right now? Yeah, so it's absolutely true that all crypto assets today have a, a pretty strong correlation um, in general. Um, really, all kind of um, ERC-20 tokens that are trading on Ethereum uh, if you look at the correlations, they, they tend to trend their downstream of just Bitcoin and ETH liquidity. Um, so definitely all of these assets are somewhat going to, to move together. But yeah, our products provide diversified exposure to the different themes within crypto. And we absolutely see them moving differently um, at times. Um, you'll have tailwinds from things like, you know, Facebook changing their name to, to Meta. All of a sudden, everyone's interested in the metaverse. So if you're if you're holding that metaverse index token around the time that, that happened last year, it went up 10x from $25 to $250 over just a few months. So certainly these, these themes can uh, move differently. Um, within bull and bear markets. But when we have a crypto winter, everything, the correlations do tend to, to go towards one is, is absolutely true. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, you're, you're getting exposure to many different protocols within one token. So, you know, all stable coins are, are the same until they're not, right? If you're in UST and you thought it was the same thing as USDC or DAI or, U or uh, Tether, you know, it was until it wasn't. All of a sudden, so that's where you know you you get um, some peace of mind by diversifying between different assets, and also UST was never in any of our products because it didn't meet the inclusion criteria um, of the index products themselves. Yeah, I mean that's such an interesting point too. You mentioned stable coins. That's something that a lot of people wouldn't think about, right? Because the word is literally stable in the name. Um, but like we've seen unfold even in like over the past year, I mean, Terra Luna, definitely an algorithmic stable coin. Um, but um, that situation is more of kind of an extreme outlier. If you had to put all of your assets directly into, into those versus, you know, having that spread out across a variety of different assets, I mean, you're, you're done for, right? And at the end of the day, crypto is very early stage technology. And with that comes the risks of many projects, you know, not when it, it's a war of attrition, right? So we're going to see a lot of projects that, you know, may seem promising not survive. And how do you get involved and put like present the opportunity for yourself to, you know, when line goes up and to the right to participate in that without giving yourself the risks associated with specific projects. So even with stable coins, that's something a lot of people might not consider. Um, 
as more risky within crypto, but there's risks inherent in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. When you're building an, an index product like we do, you really have to take a, a long um, point of view or low time preference. So, you know, we, we don't chase the highest yield on the market the way that a lot of folks in, in crypto do when, you know, you, we don't sort by highest APY and just index all of the opportunities available, right? You got to go through your diligence, make sure they're fundamentally solid. You know, we didn't include uh, Olympus's own in the DeFi Pulse Index. So that DeFi 2.0 craze um, didn't make it into that fundamentals based um, index. And, you know, it, just not having to, to, um, find your own yield opportunities all the time is something that I certainly resonate with as, as someone that works in crypto, you know, you, I have plenty of, of, uh, of my time is spent in the weeds within crypto, but I'm trying to build a product. I'm trying to do my job. I'm not going to spend all, all day, you know, looking for the highest yield opportunity. And, and I certainly, um, use our products for, for that reason, right? I want to have responsible exposure to the themes that I believe in. If I really want exposure to Ethereum staking, you know, I just want a diversified basket of of ETH, of uh, of staked ETH. I don't want to be spend all day, you know, sorting for the for the highest APY and moving back and forth between these these yield farms. I want to have a, a strategy that's going to last and just one click exposure. Yeah, playing the long game, right? And I think people get very, you know, starry eyed over those high yields or that in the numbers that you see thrown out there, which especially in bull markets are absolutely insane. You know, not sustainable numbers, but definitely something that catches people's eye. But in terms of setting yourself up for the long term, looking at fundamentals, like you mentioned, a lot of people who are trying to get involved in the space ask the same question. And that is, what does a fundamentally sound project look like in crypto? Because there's a lot of noise out there that distracts people from what I think really matters for something that's a long term investment. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the main, I think, pitfall that, that protocols have have kind of um taken the instant gratification on is just having an incredibly in inflationary token and pumping out enormous amounts of, of rewards. You know, if you don't know where the yield is coming from, you are the yield is, is a very popular saying in crypto for, for a good reason. So the main thing to look out for, in, in my opinion, is just a, an extremely inflationary token supply. You, you want, you know, if, if you're investing in stocks, you don't want the company constantly issuing more and more scarce uh, shares and getting and getting yourself diluted. So that's a big one um, to, to, to look for. Um, Token Terminals earnings dashboard is, is a really, really uh, one of my favorite resources where they, they measure, you know, protocol revenue minus token incentives and kind of uh, an earnings uh, in crypto. It's kind of like a, a gross profit metric. You want to make sure that protocols have products that people are actually willing to pay for, not that they're only using because they're being paid to use them. So we don't do any liquidity mining um, at IndexGoop in terms of issuing our, our index token as rewards. Um, so that that's a, a huge pitfall to, to to look for. For sure. And I, you know, that's good throwing out the resources because I was going to ask where the best places are to look for that, but you beat me to it, which is great. I do want to talk about yield too, because if we're talking to people that are from the traditional finance space, yield is a buzzword in the crypto side of things that has been thrown around constantly. Where does it come from? How is it generated? How do you define, you know, participating in that in a way that is, I don't want safe is not a word to use, right? But in, in a way that is a little bit more cognizant of the risks and, you know, feel free to talk about a bit with what Index Cooperative has done with um, yield products as well. Yeah, I mean, the 
the the first yield source to, to turn to in crypto is staking yield. Um, I'll speak specifically about Ethereum because uh, that's where where we operate uh, and play. So you know, Ethereum staking yield is like the base yield for all of DeFi. It is the benchmark. Um, you know, before the merge, it was it was around four percent APY that Ethereum was was paying out uh, to to people staking their ETH to run validators. It's since gone up or around fifty percent. We're we're between five, six, seven percent um, yield on on staking your ETH. That's the fundamental um, base source of yield in terms of um, ETH. And then for stablecoins, you know, you just want to make sure that somebody is paying the yield to use a product. Right, they're not being paid to use it. So the the top ones, you got lending protocols like Compound and Aave, um, where you can lend out your assets to this money market because people want to borrow them. Right, people, there's a huge demand to, to borrow stablecoins um, in crypto, um, mostly because people want to use it for for leverage. Right, I want to go if I'm really bullish on crypto, I want to go long ETH. I may want to borrow some more stablecoins to to buy some other crypto assets. So you're getting an actual organic sustainable yield um, on lending protocols like Compound, Aave. Um, shout out to, to Notional Finance is another fixed rate um, lending protocol. A really exciting one. They, they have pretty pretty solid yields from again from people actually paying to use the product. Um, and another crypto native source of yield would be providing liquidity, right? And so decentralized exchanges like Uniswap, you know, you, people have to provide liquidity of USDC or, or ETH to these pools so that people can trade back and forth in the pool. So again, there's actual organic demand for the assets that you're lending out. And you can see why someone is willing to actually pay you yield um, for those. Um, and going back to, to the staking yield, you know, that's that's the big one. For Index Group, we've got two products um, that kind of capitalize and, and repackage staking yield in an interesting way for folks. Um, one is the Diversified Staked ETH Index that we just launched. Um, it's a basket of the top liquid staking tokens on Ethereum. Um, so Lido was kind of the, the OG inventor of liquid staking. They've got a token called Staked ETH, STETH. It's got billions and billions of dollars in it. Um, that's the top one. There's Rocket Pool, which is a, a more um, more decentralized version of Lido. They they allow more folks to kind of um, contribute validators to their network, and th their token is called RETH. And then Stakewise is a third one uh, currently in that basket. Their liquid staking tokens SETH too. But all you need to know if, if you you're interested in that product, there's a token called DSETH that Index Group has created. Uh, that's a diversified basket of those three liquid staking tokens that I mentioned. So you buy the DSETH token. Your uh, your assets get split into those three different protocols. You're going to get diversified exposure to them, and you're going to get that ETH staking yield of you know it's it's baselining between four, five, six percent um, today. That's one that we have, and then we also have a leveraged version of that. Um, it's a really interesting um, kind of example of the the composability of DeFi and the money Legos at play here. It uses Lido's staked ETH token as collateral, deposits it into Aave's money market, borrows more ETH against it. And then swaps that ETH for more of the Lido staked ETH token. So you're, you're getting leveraged exposure uh, to Lido's staking yield. It traditionally, was is around four or five percent, and we're going to lever that up about two two to three x. Uh, I think that, you know you can monitor the the leverage ratio in real time on chain. Uh, the best way to do that is via our Dune Analytics dashboard. Uh, we can pass the the link onto that if you really want to get into the, the nuts and bolts and see the the performance of this token. Um, so you know again. You, you buy the IC ETH token, interest compounding ETH uh, is that the leverage version of that. And you're, you're going to multiply your, your staked ETH rewards by, you know, by getting uh, 
borrowing some ETH against it and then borrow, uh, buying more staked ETH. Now, the, the way this one kind of really works is uh, you're borrowing ETH against staked ETH. So those assets are extremely correlated, right? ETH and staked ETH are going to track at about the, the same price. So you're not having you know massive lever, um, liquidation risk every time, the, every time the price of ETH goes down because you're borrowing these very correlated assets. Such an interesting product lineup too. And it just makes me think about when we see more traditional entities trying to get into the space, when we eventually see more creativity with traditional ETF products in the crypto space right now. And I know the answer is probably has something to do with regulation um, for sure in, in one big part. What is stopping traditional finance firms from creating the indices and ETF products? I'm sure it differs from country to country. In the U.S., I know we've seen a lot of crackdown on, you know, um, more creative crypto products and traditional companies and, you know, centralized entities doing that, um, as well as the conversations around whether tokens are securities or not, which is definitely a big factor. But what are you seeing from your end? Yeah, I mean, prim primarily, we, we need regulatory clarity for those products to exist in the space. Um, and then secondarily, I would say, um, you know, these these institutions right now are keeping the yield for themselves, right? If if you look at, um, you know, if, if you're a Coinbase or a Grayscale, if someone get, hands you a, t a ton of ETH, they can go and stake it and earn the yield and keep it for themselves and just not pass it on to the consumer. Right. And, and that's really kind of a pretty common practice, um, even in, in just kind of a general stocks. If you hold assets in a brokerage account, they might be lending those assets out uh, to people that want to short the stock and earning the yield and just not passing it on to the holders. Um, so I, you know, I'd love to see not only a, a spot ETH ETF, but an ETH staking ETF that, that passes on actual staking yield to the holders of that, of that ETF. But we, we, we don't see it um, today. Yeah, it's that that's like a ball of yarn that will take forever to untangle. And we could talk about that all day. I talk about regulation on this podcast a lot because it's always changing. And it's something that from all angles is definitely a little bit confusing. Um, I, I do want to talk now about crypto winner generally. We know the markets have not been great. Traditional markets as well. This is not a isolated crypto state right now at all. Um how has Index Cooperative and all of the recent events in crypto, a lot of the negative sentiment, affected the cooperative and the way that you're positioning yourselves and constructing products? Yeah, um, good news. We you know we we weren't directly affected by kind of the the latest crypto winter in, in terms of the the FTX debacle, all of the um, not Contango. What's what's the contagion? We didn't get directly affected by any of the contagion risk. Again, all of our assets on chain. We don't lend our treasury out to any centralized institutions that the money goes poof. Um, the good news is we, you know, we, we raised a, a seed round uh, back during kind of the, the bull market of 2021. Uh, I think we raised about $10 million of, of stable coins uh, and we call it a treasury diversification round, uh, not, not a seed uh, fundraising round. But so, you know, we've got those assets to continue operating and, and paying our contributors and, and continue building. So, um, you know, we've got, several years of runway and, and and right now we we don't need to raise uh in these very very difficult environments but um you know it's definitely had a chilling effect on our, our entire industry um people are are not engaging with crypto on social media people are not googling for crypto indexes quite quite as much anymore 
Um, and even when we do get good media or press coverage, you know, people are not as, as quick to, to click the buy button on this new product that they just heard of. Right. So for us, it's, it's just, you know, taking a long-term view, building the absolute best products for, for consumers, you know, we're building the products that we'd want to use, um, in terms of us as crypto natives, you know, I want diversified exposure to ETH staking yield. Okay. I'm going to go build this DS ETH index that I can buy, uh, and hold in my portfolio. And then for us, it's also making sure we we build the products that, you know, our friends and family that are just on the edges of crypto, but close to, to buying into would want as well. Um, so we're definitely, you know, kind of, of leaning into the crypto native audience and, and slowly trying to expand out and, and build the solutions that, um, you know, the the most eager financial advisors that are that are eager, they want to provide their clients access, asset, yeah, uh, exposure to these top crypto themes, DeFi, Metaverse, they want to provide diversified staking yield for the clients. So, you know, we're, we're building tokens um, and making those off-chain partnerships that that make it possible and accessible to, to as many people as possible. So, you know, if, if you're building a, you know, a custodian, if you're building an intermediary that's going to help financial advisors get access to crypto, you know, come come meet with us. You know, if you can find me on Twitter, slide into my DMs. I meet with financial advisors and those intermediary platforms um, all the time, even when even when the market's down. I'm still open for business. We're still building. With all of the different products that you guys have brought to market, you mentioned Metaverse, you mentioned DeFi, you mentioned NFTs. Where have you seen interest? Um, where have you seen the most interest? And I know that that's probably ebbed and flowed a bit with, with the trends, but where have you seen the most consistent outreach to Index Cooperative about how to work together, the different products that you have, and the more of sustainable asset flow um, per token that you offer? Yeah, I would say it's it's the yield bearing products currently. Um, definitely, you know, the interest compounding ETH index, you know, being able to get leveraged exposure to, to a strategy that you are already excited about. And then, you know, adding our automated risk management tooling on top of it um, is a really a winning value proposition as far as getting the best out of um, the, the top strategies in, in DeFi right now. So that's that's where people are, are most excited about, and that's where we're most excited about building currently um, as well, right? So we followed up that interest compounding ETH index with that diversified staked ETH index. P people are asking us, can you build an interest compounding ETH index with our ETH as collateral instead of Lido's staked ETH? Because really, I prefer this our ETH token for for decentralization reasons. You know, they feel like it's better for the network. You know, I want to use this strategy, but I want to use this this other collateral um, as it. That's one, and then two, stablecoin yield. Um, we haven't released a stablecoin yield product yet. Um, primarily, you know, we want to have a durable strategy that's going to stand the test of time. And right now, stablecoin yields been up, down, and sideways with people having to move between, you know, all these different liquidity pools all the time. Um, so that's something that that people want, right? They just want a set it and forget it diversified stablecoin yield products. They don't want to chase the highest yield possible. They just want a reasonable, you know, whatever the market is willing to pay. They, they want to diversified access to that somewhere to hold their dry powder um, in between positions. So that's that's where we're excited to build. Excited to see where you guys go next from a product perspective, for sure. And as the space continues to evolve, there's going to be more opportunity for different product sets, right? Because new sections of the industry are coming about pretty quickly. And a lot of the things that we haven't even thought about in a year from now are probably going to look very, very different. So lots of opportunity for growth from from a product set perspective as well, which is... Yeah. 
I would say the real world assets bucket has really kind of been taking off as of late. Um, we've we've got a lot of different ideas for how exactly to bring that to market. Does it need to be just one component of a diversified stablecoin yield product? Does it need to be its own component real world asset index? Or, you know, perhaps you can kind of do both uh, in one with the composability of DeFi. You can have a diversified stablecoin yield token with a real world asset index inside of it. Um, not too uh, excited about the the term real world assets in general it, it seems like a, a very strange one to me but you know definitely taking steps to kind of uh connect the the on-chain world with the broader financial markets uh is a step in the right direction real world makes it seem like we're living in like a dreamland which isn't just <laughs> yeah. true we're just uh living more terminally online and on chain which is okay but um that does bring up a really interesting point too because have had some conversations in the past on this with like Wisdom Tree, which is a traditional, you know, ETF asset manager um, with the team at Bitwise, among others. And that has been a common theme from people that are working specifically in the space of whether it's traditional ETFs or on-chain indices, is the transition of not only having digitally native, you know, crypto tokens being within these portfolios, but also bringing traditional assets on chain for the reasons of 24 hour um 24 hour markets um can you know liquidity um purposes instant settlement and whatnot where do you see kind of the trends in the next year three years five years of how all of this pans out for on-chain indices as a whole yeah i mean in in the near term i think um announcement that people were pretty excited about was um i think ondo finance is the protocol but bringing us treasuries on chain just adding a new yield source to crypto markets and now we can take advantage of you know that traditional yield source but the new infrastructure again 24 7 settlement um like you mentioned composability of DeFi, you know use those as collateral um that's a near-term thing that I'm, I'm pretty excited about and then more of a longer term thing i think the, the tokenization, not just of what we're calling real world assets now, but of of everything, you know, potentially, you know, it, blockchain technology allows us to have transparency. I think transparency is the killer feature of, of blockchain. Sunlight's the best disinfectant um, and just bringing anything and everything on chain is a big one. And I think also kind of um, seeing more like fintech players in the space offer offer yield to their customers by using actual on-chain um, products on-chain with sustainable yield sources. So things like a, a Cash App, a Revolut, a Robinhood, you know, anything where you have a cash balance, being able to plug in, a, you know, a real yield source and offer some sort of yield to their customers. You know, it doesn't need to be uh, enormous or unsustainable. It, it can't be unsustainable, you know, in fact. But that's something that we're pretty excited about, right? Like, if we can get some regulatory clarity, then we could have actual sustainable yield sources offered to folks through programs like a, a Gemini Earn that, you know, previously was using Genesis, the capital got repatriated multiple times, contagion risk, boom, gone. But if if you're using actual on-chain products, people would know where the yield is coming from. You can see the assets, you can eliminate counterparty risk and, and offer a much better uh, experience to users. Absolutely. And I want to wrap things up here because I feel like we could talk for quite a while on all of this. But the one question that I always ask people wrapping things up is around big picture, crypto space as a whole. What are the biggest, you know, for crypto to reach what we would believe to be, you know, its full 
potential, if you will, which I think is going to evolve and look a lot different as things continue to expand. But crypto being embedded more in the day-to-day life, being used more commonly, blockchain technology continuing to be adopted, um, all of those those things that we hope for, I think. Um, what do you see as being the biggest risks to that never really being accomplished? And what do you see as kind of the most... Um, opportunistic uh, parts of that as well that you think will help to drive things forward. So a little bit of like bull case, bear case. I think um, what we really need to, to change uh, is being more serious and transparent about risk. Uh, I think, you know, there's enormous amount of exploits, uh, hacks, a lot of them around bridges, um, you know, recently, it, it seems like just being a lot more transparent with people about where their assets are actually at risk and where where they're actually, you know, safe. So centralized exchanges um, coming out and, and doing more self-regulation and publishing proof of reserves is a huge, huge step in the right direction. I think people just need to understand the risks that they're, they're taking and, and not just, you know, see crypto as a, a, a fairyland where, you know, everything is all the same. I'm by this token, I'm by that token. I don't know. Maybe it's safe. Maybe it's not. It's just the wild west. So we've got to self-regulate uh, as an industry much better. Um, I'm very excited every time I see an announcement of a new protocol doing um, risk ratings for folks, and you know, just clearly, clearly publishing you know what, what the risks are. And then I think also we've got to have um, more of an intermediary layer with allowing asset managers or financial advisors to come in and give direction um, with actual on-chain things. I think, you know, people want to have financial advisors in general, right? There's a reason they exist in traditional financial markets. Um, and, and I'm always excited about anyone trying to kind of bring financial advice on-chain. I'm not a financial advisor. This podcast is not financial advice, but there are people that are financial advisors. So let them in, let them help us, let them help you if you if you want, uh, if you want them. So I think... Um, future of, of financial advisors coming on chain and, and more of a, an assets under advisement future rather than assets under management um, is, is something that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I think we we also need more like model portfolios and kind of adults in the room on chain to, to provide some some good examples of, of what taking a responsible amount of risk looks like. Um, and then I think, you know, maybe I can finally get my, my sister and cousins on chain with, with some of their assets and enjoying some of the benefits that, that we're building. Yeah. One of these days I did have my sister ask about how to buy Bitcoin recently, which is a big revelation. So shout out to her. She might be listening to this. <laughs> um, but I mean, the future is super exciting to think about. And I think that, um, a big part of our conversation, a big part of the conversation that we need to get to in terms of the, uh, maturation of the space is bringing in and embracing legacy financial advisors, institutional allocators, corporations that want exposure, and how do we make that easier? So really excited about everything that Index Cooperative is doing to move that along. And um, we'll, we'll wrap things there. But thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Great to catch up. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening to this as well. We'll be back next week with another episode. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it. All opinions expressed by your hosts and the podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of the hosts or any of their affiliates. This podcast is for commercial and informational purposes only, is not investment advice, and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. 
We are not recommending any securities or cryptocurrencies, nor is this an offer or sale of a security or cryptocurrency.